morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Podstetrics, a pregnancy pod. I'm Kayla. And I'm Evan. And this episode, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. So this episode is our OSCE-centered episode one. And what we're essentially going to do is run through, uh, tell you a little bit about what an OSCE is and run through an actual OSCE with you guys. Not going to lie, this uh, episode is bringing back a little bit of nerves, a little bit of bad memories. (laughs) I haven't done one before, so (laughs) this is all on you, Evan. (laughs) Pressure's on. All right, well, let's get started. (laughs) So firstly, what is an OSCE? So an OSCE stands for an Objective Structured Clinical Exam. Medical students who are, who are doing their women's health OSCEs this year would have done OSCEs in the past, and they essentially allow clinicians to observe the way you interact with patients and a score is given to you. So generally, there are multiple stations that candidates do, and the aim is to pass the majority so that you pass the subject area. So how are they done? You essentially have eight minutes and you stand outside a door or in the COVID world now, a Zoom. Zoom room, yep. Yep. And a STEM is given, uh, and this is essentially the information that a candidate needs for the station. So the candidate then has a set amount of time to formulate an approach to the station. And the time is variable depending on the uni, but you can be anywhere between two to five minutes, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And generally, as you move up in years, the time that's given to formulate your approach will increase. Beautiful. So... On the station STEM, there may also be tasks that the candidate has to do. So we're looking at things like either a history, an exam, uh, listing investigations or management for a patient and answering any questions. Uh, Once that's done or once you've formulated, I guess, a preparation for yourself, you'll then enter the room and there will usually be a simulation patient and an examiner. And this simulation patient is essentially an actor. The candidate will then perform the station and answer any questions the examiner has for them. Why are we doing this for you? Oskis are hard. They are very hard. (laughs) And it's nice to have, I guess, a solid framework to approach different subjects and different subject areas. So you can use these OSCE frameworks for other topics too. Just keep the basic outline of what we're going to go through. So I know for Evan, like as a final year student, who has been through a lot of OSCEs and I know because every night before his OSCE calls me freaking out, I'm going to fail. I don't know what I'm doing. Help me. (laughs) Um, It's, it's nice to be able to give tips and tricks to junior students who are going to go through the same thing or have been through the same thing. Definitely. From Evan's perspective, they are very stressful. I feel stressed for him, but it's really important that you feel confident that the hard work that you've put in through the year in terms of research and the work that you've done on the ward will come through. It's also important to note that this episode may take more than five minutes, more than eight minutes, sorry. In a real OSCE, you're nervous and you'll usually speak quite quickly. We've had a practice run before this recording and you can definitely fit all this information into eight minutes. So even though it may sound like a lot of information, all it takes is really good, consistent practice. I've never done an OSCE, so Evan will be running through the OSCE, but I'll be ensuring that Evan doesn't use any medical jargon during his explanations to um, Julie, and this is who our case will be centered. So let's quickly go through the station STEM. So you are the obstetrics resident asked to see Julie, a 22-year-old G1P0 who has a diagnosed delayed first stage of labor, and this has been diagnosed via partogram. Your tasks are speaking to the examiner to conduct the relevant examinations firstly, and secondly, speaking to Julie, explain the process of the induction of labor. So Evan, 
Give it a go, buddy. <laughs> sure. All right. So I'm going to walk into the room. And the first thing I'm going to do after using the hand sanitizer is introduce myself to Julie. So Julie, hi, how are you going? I'm good. Thank you, Doctor. And how are you? I'm very good. Thank you. So my name's Evan and I'm the obstetrics resident today. I've been asked to come and have a chat with you. But first, I'm going to talk to the examiner. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So I'm going to then move to speak to the examiner. So the first thing that I would like to do is to consult the fetal medicine unit. And this is really to ensure that someone more senior um, is on call with me during this process. Then I'd like to start off by doing a maternal assessment. So I'd like to look at the blood pressure, the pulse, the respirate, and the temperature. And this is really giving me any indication if there's any deterioration. After this, I would like to ask for the CTG report. Um, and I'd also like to ask the midwife if there's any palpated ur uterine activity over a period of 10 minutes. And that's really to ensure that when I do start titrating the, um, titrating the oxytocin, um, that the number of contractions are consistent and correct. And I'm not placing baby under any additional strain. So after this, I'd like to move to the examination. So first of all, I'd like to get consent from Julie and offer her a chaperone if appropriate. I'd then like to start off with the, examinal, uh, the abdominal examination. So first of all, general inspection, looking for any lines, looking for anything uh, across the room to indicate any distress um, in terms of how Julie is doing, um, and also just having a general inspection of the abdomen. Um, after that, I'd like to move to palpation. So first of all, assessing for any tenderness while looking at Julie's face while palpating. Uh, feeling for the lie, so is baby transverse? And then moving um, to feel for the presenting part. So um, is it a breech presentation or is it cephalic? Then moving to engagement, which is done by fifths above the pelvic brim. And then using a tape measure, which is placed uh, face down to get the symphysiofundal height. So that's done from the uh, fundus of the uterus down to the pubic symphysis. I'd then also request a handheld Doppler for the fetal heart rate. So after I do this, I'd like to progress to a speculum and a biomanual examination uh, after getting consent and also ensuring that a chaperone is present. I'd like to assess for the favorability of the cervix, and here I'm really trying to determine uh, the Bishop's score. So I'd like to feel for position, effacement, uh, dilation, and station, uh, station and consistency of the cervix, and this will give me the Bishop's score. And if the Bishop's score is below six, then I know that I need to progress to cervical ripening um, through a balloon catheter. Um, I'll also be thinking during this time if I need to administer any antibiotics for group restrep prophylaxis. Um, and this is, I, um, this is given via intramuscular Benpen. And this is really because of the risk of uh, neonatal sepsis in babies that are born to mothers who, have, uh, who are GBS positive. So then um, knowing um, the uh, status of the uh, membranes following my vaginal exam, if appropriate, I'll move to an artificial rupture of membranes with an amni hook. Um, and then after this, I'll move to oxytocin. So the oxytocin is given uh, via a 500 ml bag with 10 units. During this time, the uterus will be palpated over a 10 minute period um, every 30 minutes. And this is really to feel for the number and the strength of contractions. And I'm looking for four in five contractions in a 10 minute period with at least 60 seconds between them. I'd also ensure that Julie has the appropriate analgesia. Um, some other things that I'll also be thinking of in this um, station is first of all mum uh, making sure that she doesn't have any further complications but that's not indicated in the uh, stem and also baby so really requesting for any um, maternal ultrasounds that I've done previously because I'm thinking about the size of baby here so is baby too big being macrosomic or too small having IUGR um, and the gestational age as well so is baby premature because here I'm thinking about steroids or magnesium sulfate which may need to be administered depending on the gestational age I'll also be thinking about any additional personnel um, 
um, being paediatrics if there's any complications needed for the neonatal resus. Um, and I'll now like to move to the explanation if I could. So, hi Julie, how are you going again? I'm good, thank you doctor, and how are you? I'm very good, thank you. So really the purpose of today is really for me to explain what an induction of labour is. Have you ever heard of this term before? Not really, I've heard it thrown around, but I don't really know what it means. Okay, so an induction of labour really means that um, normally labour occurs uh, spontaneously and it occurs through a defined set of things that that happen, that play out. Okay. Um, and with you, you have a delay in this progression of labour. So we need to do certain things to ensure that labour progresses normally. Does that make sense to you? Yes, it does. Okay, so I'm going to go through why you need to have um, an induction of labour. And this is, again, because you have this delayed first stage in labour, so we really need to start moving things along now. Does that make sense so far? Yes, it does. Okay, so in terms of the procedure for the induction of labour, um, what I'll be doing is I'll be doing um, an abdominal exam, a vaginal exam, um, and really this is to find out a score and this score is called the bishop score basically all this is is it's a number and it lets me know whether your cervix is favorable or unfavorable what this means is are you ready to progress onto the next stage of labor or do you need a little bit of extra help if you do then we'll be looking at your membranes so if your membranes are intact then what we need to do is rupture them and this is what normally happens in pregnancy and this is called breaking the waters you might have heard of that okay yeah. Um, and the way that we break your membranes is some uh, through something called an amni hook. It sounds a lot scarier than it is, but it's basically just a small plastic hook that we use to rupture the membrane. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. So after that, then we need to make sure that the contractions that allow for baby to come out are occurring. And we do this via something called syntocinon. So have you heard of oxytocin before? Isn't that the love drug? That's the love hormone, yeah. yes. And this is what really um, occurs to allow these contractions in your uterus to happen. Yeah. So does that all make sense so far? So far, yes. Okay. So I guess the risks of doing the procedure, the major risk is that you may need to progress to cesarean section, which is the operation to get baby out. And the main risk that this really has is obviously after the operation, there's a little bit more time spent in hospital and there's a risk of infection. Another thing that can happen as well is something called uterine hypertonus, which basically means that these contractions are happening too close together. Um, and this is a risk because we don't want your uterus to get tired since your uterus is a muscle. So does that make sense so far? Yeah, it does. And the last thing I guess that I also need to tell you about is instrumental delivery. And instrumental delivery just basically means that we're using instruments to aid with the delivery of baby. And this obviously has risks to yourself and for baby. So the main risks to yourself are the risks of bleeding, the main risks to baby um, are bruises that can occur to baby's head, but also arm injuries. These are very rare, but they are risks that I have to tell you. So does that make sense so far? Yes, it does. So in terms of the risks of not doing the procedure, the major risk is that baby gets tired and we start to see things on that CTG or that exam that we, um, electrodes that we put on your tummy, so the stickers that we put on your tummy um, and that band that we put on your tummy, that can indicate that baby's getting tired and, and we're worried about that because we want to make sure that baby is getting the correct amount of oxygen that baby needs for baby's brain to work properly. So does that make sense? Yes, it does. And then there's also this increased risk of infection if the membranes are ruptured. The membranes act like a really tight glove around baby and they protect baby from infection. And so obviously when we um, rupture the membranes, there's an increased risk of infection to yeah. baby. So does that make sense? Yes, it does. In terms of alternatives, the main alternative here is a watchful waiting approach. But given your situation, I don't think that this is suitable. Um, so, so far, does everything that I've explained to you make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. So I'm going to provide you with this document for induction of labor. And if you're happy with this, and if you have no more questions, I'd like you to sign it. I have a couple of questions. Sure. Um, with the CTG, with that machine that you're going to strap to me, 
Am I still able to walk around? Um, yes, so you are. So if the induction of labour progresses normally and you don't have an epidural, you'll be able to walk around. Yep. There might be some repositioning of those electrodes that the midwife or the obstetrician needs to do, um, but you can definitely still walk around. You can definitely still use the bathroom and you can definitely try different birthing positions as well. Okay. I've heard that with um, the oxytocin that you're going to give me, sometimes it may hurt more. Is that true? That is true. So the oxytocin generally provides stronger, more painful contractions, which is why you'll be um, offered the appropriate analgesia. Okay. I think that's, that's all the questions that I have for now. All right. So thank you so much for your time, Julie. I really appreciate it. No worries, doctor. <laughs> all right. So thanks very much. So that's basically an OSCE. Yeah. Um, so... Um, did you want to give a little bit of, uh, I guess, tips and tricks since you're so experienced in all oh, look, I'm definitely, I'm definitely not very experienced, but I guess the main tips are, my, my first tip is to always chunk information. And this is really to make sure that after every bit of information, you're checking that your patient understands what you're saying. The last thing you really want to be doing in an OSCE is waffling on for eight minutes and the patient has no idea what you're talking about. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that you're empathetic. So you need to check, first of all, when you first see the patient, how the patient is doing, and just make sure that you make eye contact with the patient as well. Because just remember, the patient is at the center of what you're doing, and even though these OSCEs can feel a little bit fake, the examiners need to know that you're an empathetic person. Because the last thing they want to do is be passing doctors who are not empathetic. Yeah. And I guess <laughs> always at the end, make sure you thank the patient, and that's really it. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, so that's our first OSCE-centric episode. I think it was pretty good. I think it was good as well, yeah. but please give us some feedback. Let us know what worked and what didn't, and we'll try really and make these episodes as high yield for you as we can. Yeah. So as always, guys, you can follow us on our link tree, which will link you to all our social media as well as um, streaming platforms. So we have Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and CastBox. Yep. And then in terms of social media, we have our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook accounts. Yeah, and please also make sure that you do um, rate and subscribe to our podcast because it really helps people find us as well. Wonderful. So I guess that's it. That's it today. Yep. I'm Kayla. And I'm Evan. And stay safe, guys. And take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Bye.